Hey, 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 everybody. I'm that fat Albert. It's the angry challenger today. Sitting here with the dreaded challenger. What up, though, everybody? It's good to be back. We've been, we've been busy. Yeah, we've been real busy. We've been recording a lot of episodes. I've actually got a backlog of episodes, but dreaded. How about you introduce today's guest? We've had him here before and we're excited to have him back. One of our friends, Josh McCorder. Here to talk about some games. How are you doing today, Josh? What's happening, guys? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me back. Of course, Our pleasure. Of course. So, tell us about yourself. I mean, last time I talked to you was October of last year. So, what's been going on with mm-hmm. you in, ta- in terms of tournaments and gaming and stuff like that? Oh, in terms of uh, tournaments and gaming, not really a whole lot. Well, I mean, I guess there's actually a little bit to talk about. Um. I think actually we it might have been closer to two years now since we last spoke. Because um, if I recall correctly, I was in a, an apartment complex, which my wife was pregnant at the time, and uh, we've actually got a little one and a half year old now, and that's been a lot of fun. That's kind of put a little damper in going to tournaments, but for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the tournament scene, I've been still working with uh, the Fall Classic and Final Round. We actually just had Final Round uh, 20 just passed. It was our 20th year. So that was just awesome to finally hit that milestone and get past it, especially since we had such a blow up with Final Round 19 and the street in regards to the Street Fighter 5 tournament. We felt that Final Round 20 was a definitely a bit of a almost like a the Phoenix rising from its ashes in a way. You know, we got a lot of bad press about 19, and we feel at 20 we we did very well. Um, yeah, well enough to actually um, go ahead and say we're going to do a 21. There was actually some behind the scenes. Uh, stuff going on where you know, not a lot of people knew, but that this might have been the last final round, but things went went well, and we're going to continue forward with it uh, next year, so we're already planning for that. Looking forward to the Fall Classic. I'm about to start trying to plan to get things going there. I'm actually also doing a an online tournament series for the state of South Carolina trying to get the regional scene here going, trying, you know, they can play the matches online and offline, but with the ultimate goal to create rankings and you know, try and expose these guys to hopefully potential sponsors if we get some real talent in there. And if not, just a good way to help these folk, help these guys level up and, you know, prepare themselves for the esports environment. Awesome, man. I'm really glad to hear and, and see, uh, the success that was flying around this year. There were some really hype matchups and some, some crazy stuff. But yeah, yeah. So that's really good to hear that it's going to continue going forward. Good job. Uh, tip of the hat to you guys for that. You put in a lot of work. You deserve. To have some success, you know, so that's definitely good to hear that it was not the last final round, which is really weird for me to say. The last final round? Is that a thing? Yeah, and next final round? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Today we want to talk to you a little bit about, well, a lot about competitive gaming, mostly the commentary aspect, because esports are blowing up. You were telling me before, Dreaded, that they have some stuff on NBC or something. You know, uh, it's going to be on TBS. They're actually, um, they're going to be showing, 
the regular season of E-League Street Fighter V. Now, E-League's been around for a while, mostly, mostly with those big games like Dota and League. But now they got Street Fighter V, and you know they—it's an invitational where they invited like 32 of the biggest names in in the FGC, and they, you know, they've been having pools. And yeah, the big season—it's actually going to be on TV as well as online. Uh, most of the time, you, you you know you find the stuff on Twitch or other streaming sites, but yeah, they're actually going to have it on real TV. Not the first time Street Fighter V is going to be on TV, but this is kind of a big step. You know, this isn't just Evo. It's, it's a kind of a new thing, and it's going to be on TBS. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And fighting games, I think, have the biggest opportunity to reach the general masses because games like Dota and League are kind of hard for people to digest what's going on. Your average person isn't going to really be able to appreciate the skill that is required to play those games well. But Street Fighter's been around forever. People can respect some of the skills that go into that, even though a lot of people think that fighting games are button mashers, they'll see it, and people are more likely to recognize Ryu over your average Dota character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or Blanca. Yeah. Mostly Blanca. And also, I think that there's, there's starting to be a personality aspect. Like, you have, you're starting to have stars like Infiltration. Like, those are names. And, like, there's faces with names, and you get personalities like Hey Brad. And, you know, you get, like, the success of a to- Tokido and stuff like that. So that there are people that it can be, like, recognizable with, like, a history and a style and a legacy and a character that's kind of assigned to them. And, like, rivalries and stuff like that. So I'm hesitant to say it's star power, but, uh, like, at least some names to recognize and to follow. Yes. So give us your give us your opinion on that kind of stuff happening, that particular uh, offshoot of the FGC. What do you think? What do you think about that happening, Josh? Um, I, I think it's awesome. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Something that we've, you know, we used to talk about and kind of sit there and say, "Oh, what if?" You know, and we were only doing that what ten years ago. You know, what if? What if this happened? What if we, you know, got on TV? What if this? What if that? Um, you know, we actually had E League at final round handing out flyers and such. It was a it was really awesome to see them come support the event and you know try and support you know doing what they can to support the FGC. I definitely like that it's being brought out to a more broad audience now. Uh, you know, with Capcom Pro Tour being on ESPN, that was absolutely wild. Um, you know, seeing Final Round articles about being Final Round being on ESPN, that's that's crazy. You know, we you know stuff that you know we used to dream about, and here it is happening. And you know, we're too busy starting to grind out for the next one to really th- you know sit back and appreciate where we're at now. But it's very interesting, though. You know, kind of like. Like Jarvis is pointing out, you know, with you look at League of Legends and Dota, those games are not exactly intuitive to watch. You don't really know what's going on unless you know the game. You, you can get caught up in the excitement, you know, when the team fights and the skirmishes happen, but you don't really. I couldn't take a League of Legends match and show it to my wife and have her innately understand what's going on. I would have to explain everything, and that's a barrier for a lot of people. That's one of the beauties of fighting games. You can watch a fighting game, and even if you think there's button mashing, you can tell, you know, someone just lost half their life to a combo. You just saw that happen. So there is a little bit more of that natural intuitiveness of of being able to watch the game. Um, you see it a lot with first-person shooters as well. So I I definitely think there's a big opportunity there, a uh, huge opportunity. It's also seeing guys like Rick Fox with the Echo Fox team getting more involved um, as we're seeing more and more. NBA teams especially, um, 
getting involved. I think Joe Montana just recently invested in Cloud9. Um, wow. Yeah, that this is only going to get bigger. So it's a lot of these athletes are starting to see. I mean, this is a billion dollar industry, you know, on the rise. The only and the thing is with this industry is that it's the billion dollar industry with just MOBAs right now. You know, MOBAs, first person shooters. You know, in the RTS games like StarCraft and uh, etc. So now that we're going to get fighters into the mix, um, that's only going to make things more popular. And it's, it's, I'm also interested to see how they do that because one of the barriers for fighting games was that for the longest time, because we were playing primarily on arcade, and then once arcades kind of died out, rest in peace, we went to console. And um, you know, all you really need for a fighting game is a console, a game, and a controller of your choice. You know, and if you got to buy an online pass, you know, to play people with that too. But otherwise, you're good to go. You don't have to continue, you know, continually invest financially. You have to continually invest your time in order to get better. But you know, in terms of money, you've you've spent what you need to spend, and that creates a little bit of difficulty. Where with a lot of these other games, like MOBAs, especially FPS, etc., those are on PCs. They're not on consoles. So you have all these peripherals and accessories that come with PC gaming. That to buy, you know, so video cards, sound cards, monitors, keyboards, mice, etc. There's more to market in that aspect. So uh, I've been kind of wondering how fighting games would do if not on a PC format. Um, it looks like they're going to maintain being on a PlayStation 4. And I think Sony is getting heavily involved, which is vital to that working. Exciting and interesting um, because if one thing I've always also believed is that you know one thing that makes fighting games unique is that definitely the environment if you look at a league of legends match you'll see it, it's almost like watching professional wrestling you know wwe versus watching professional wrestling in japan um, when i first started actually getting into the two back in the 90s it was wild because you would watch a professional wrestling match in japan and there would be silence and then if there's like a big spot or a bump you would hear whoa and then they would politely clap and then go back to watching it's almost kind of like the league, you know, league in a sense where you know, they're watching the skirmish happens and there's a cheer and then they kind of go back to that. Fighting games, we should follow more, in my, in my opinion, more of a MMA slash boxing slash WWE model where we really have to promote the players because they are the lifeblood and they really are what kind of makes this go. I think right now, one of the issues you see with the UFC where is where they the company is bigger than the fighters now. That's why you see a lot of fighters now leaving that company and try testing free agency. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. There's going to, that, that, there's going to be a lot. I mean, we already saw it with E-League, um, with K-Brad and Wolf Crone. Um, <laughs> you know, and for those that don't know, um, E-League, as it's going on, you can actually watch it live, you know, uncensored on Twitch as it's going on. And uh, K-Brad and Wolf Crone had a... Uh, at final round 20, there was the epic pop-off where after K-Brad beat Wolf Crone, kind of got in his face, took his headphones off him, or his head crones as they are so affectionately known as in the fighting game community. Um, you know, took him off and kind of got in his face, had the pop-off. Well, uh, at E-League, Wolf Crone beat K-Brad and um, pretty much from the interview, dropped the F-bomb, then went on Twitter later and said it was the PH-bomb. But that's that professionalism that I'm talking about where you know we want to have that that raw edginess that is the fighting game community but at the same time there needs to be controlled some controlled chaos we need to kind of not show out too much and put ourselves in a situation like that like I, I felt 
while I understand a lot of people found that entertaining and I, you know, and I can see where Ely could look at that in one of two ways. Either A, this is great. It generates publicity for us. Uh, maybe they subscribe to the, the school of thought that no bad, you know, no bad publicity is bad publicity. It's still publicity. Um, or they're looking at it like, oh, we, we might want to be careful. These guys might be a little too much loose cannons for us. It might be too much of a liability. Granted, they can edit this out and not have to worry about that later. But that, that I felt in that moment, that was a very selfish thing to do on Wolf Crone and Wolf Crone's part. You know, just this is a, this is something that we could really all benefit from as a whole. And to use that as a stage to kind of promote your own jackassery was a little, little ridiculous. But, you know, that's at the same time, we got to promote the individuals as well. So maybe that's how he wants to be promoted. We'll see. Uh, one thing I would like to see, though, is uh, I wonder if they're going to complain about being in the same pool like they did after final after final round and insinuated that we set up their match on purpose, even though they were in the top 32. E-League, they're in the same pool. So, hmm, I'm wondering if there's going to be any, any question marks on Twitter from them or if they're going to keep their mouth shut. <laughs> we'll soon see. Yeah, man. We'll soon see. And I agree with pretty much all your points there personality is important and you can't take a person have them watch one screen of dota and understand what's going on in the whole game because all these different players are different doing different things and i mean let let me use the game i'm most familiar with team fortress 2 i really enjoy team fortress 2 i can watch a team fortress 2 video and kind of understand what's going on but I know that if somebody's just watching my screen, they don't know what, what, why is the cart moving? What's going on? Who just died? What's that going on in the corner of the screen? In fighting games, all the information you need is right there on one screen. You have your life bars, you have your super bars, you have both the characters, and then you can show like in the corner, the players' faces sitting either next to each other or across from each other or whatever. All the information's right there on the screen. Once you explain that to your audience, then you have something viable you can work with for commentary, for announcing, and for introducing things. That being said, then you can build on the actual player personalities. And since in fighting games, it's mostly one-on-one, -on -one, you don't have to worry about a team personality for those team games. You don't have to worry about who's the team captain or which of the players on the team is the best for the camera. I think what we're going to see here in the future, you're talking about the Wolf Crone deal and K-Brad, is players are, and their sponsorships are going to have to start getting coached on how to talk to the media. I know, you know, when I was in the military, we had classes for that, how to talk to the media. A lot of these guys probably don't know how to talk to the media, <laughs> you know? It'll be interesting. There'll be growing pains, like you said. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think so. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride, and and you see it just unfolding day by day. I think going to the next point, a big part of having like a consumer like viewer experience is that a lot of times the connection between the action in the game and the viewer is that commentary, because the people talking over the the games is kind of like the you know, helping relay that information to everybody. So everybody's on the same page. Like everybody understands the greatness of what we're seeing. So, um, I know we talked about it a little bit on your, uh, the last time you were here, but 
Like, explain what you think, like, just the importance of having really smart and skilled commentators and um, uh, what it takes to be a good commentator. Well, can I, can and, I jump in there, though? Can I jump in? Yes. Because yes. I was at Anime Expo last year and I oh, sat yes. down with Black Skills and asked him his opinion on commentary. I'm going to insert that in the podcast. So let's hear what this man has to say. And then we're going to hear what our boy Josh has to say. Josh, you know, this podcast is all about you today, but I wanted to throw in this interview with Black Skills because it's been forever. <laughs> of course. Summertime. So I'm going to put that in right now. Hey, I'm sitting here backstage at the Late Night Comedy Showdown. I'm the Angry Challenger here with Black Skills, famed DJ player. Yo, man. Yo, tell me about yourself real quick. Tell me wh- what you got going on now. I know Street Fighter Five is coming out, and all, you know it's out now. You know, well, it's been out for a while, right? It's been out since February. Well, I mean, I right now I'm just so focused on Evo. Like I don't even know what else to do with my life. Like I want to just quit my job and just do Evo stuff for like a week and then go back and hope they still pay me. But I don't think they're gonna do that. <laughs> nah, I don't usually think that works out. Who are you trying to main in Street Fighter Five right now? I, I really, I like, I love Vega. I played Vega in ST, and then I picked him up in Five, and I was very, very pleased. I played him in Four in the beginning too, which people kind of forgot. Okay. But I didn't stick with him because like, when DJ came out, I'd never really gotten to play DJ like ever. I liked him in ST, but I never played him. So I was like, let me try him in Four, and I just I loved that character, and I fell in love with him and kept playing him. But Vega was kind of like in the background, real salty. So, but I didn't forget about him. I wanted I wanted him to know that, so I picked him up for five. He's really happy with me now. So he didn't he didn't kill me. I'm still here clearly. That's good. That's good. I don't want to get stabbed by him. Well, you know, I know I said earlier that you were known as a DJ player. Mostly that was for my cohort, the Dreaded Challenger. He played a lot of DJ. Does he have dreads? He doesn't have dreads. He oh. wants to have dreads, though. So oh, he should he get one. Yeah, he should probably just get a wig. He needs a wig. Just, just do it. Actually, he did get a wig. He's going to be cosplaying Nakali here awesome. soon in October. So then he can so. play the E40 song and shake them dreads. Shake them dreads. One of my favorite rappers, actually. This was really good people to do that when you have dreads because you're like, I, I can relate to this song. Everyone else in this club is lying, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, commentary wise, me and Dreaded talk about this a lot. What do you feel makes effective commentary, especially in the fighting game community? Uh, synergy. You need you need synergy. You need someone to understand what you like to say, how you like to approach things, where your mindset is at at all times, and they can back you up whenever they need to. And you also have to understand what type of commentator they're going to be, and if you can switch because there's like roles. You know, you have like the technical person, you have the color commentary person. Yeah, people that can do kind of like a bold, like, I can kind of switch sometimes depending on who's with me. If you're really, like, really, really color, I'll go more technical. And I'll just, I'll take that reign and do that. And if you're really technical, I'll do color. Because you have to understand the audiences you're appealing to and you have to be able to grab everybody. So if you're talking technical, people that don't play Street Fighter be like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I don't care about frames. But then if I tell you about analogy about how it works, you go, oh, that's cool, I get it now. And then you're back in it, because the other guy is, like, sense. You're like, I don't care about this technical dude, but this dude makes sense. I like, I like this guy, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. You have to understand you're not, one of you is not going to grab everybody. You both have to get everybody together, and that's where the synergy comes in. Okay, all right. So, for up-and-coming commentators and people who want to learn how to commentate, who are some commentators besides yourself who you would recommend listening to? Okay, I'm going to break this myth right now. 
Okay. Skisonic is an amazing commentator. Okay. I don't know why the people say he's bad. There's like a weird stigma in FGC. I've never really but, heard that before. I, I've also oh understand yeah, he's a very good like a weird, Yeah, if you see the chat, there's like always seem like, God, it sucks. Get off, get him off the, the mic, blah, blah, blah. That's whatever. I think it's one of those things that's like a thing to say. Like a weird social thing to say people do. Mm-hmm. But like, he's very, very good. It's fun very to good hate. Yeah, he's fun yeah. to hate, exactly. Yeah. But he's very good. Ultra David, very good. Technical. Okay. James Chen. He's semi-technical, more so color, but also does a very good job. And he's and James, what James brings, he's very emotional. Okay. Like he feeds into the emotions really well, and people grip onto him because you feel his emotion where it comes from. Okay, okay, excellent, excellent. Well, I just want to wrap this up here with one last question: Are there any other fighting games that you're playing right now? Oh man, just Street Fighter Five. I would love to mess around with Tekken Seven. Oh, I do kind of play Naruto Storm on the floor on the side okay. just because it's actually really fun. But uh, really, Street Fighter is like, I can't focus on more than one game, honestly, professionally. Okay. The competitive scene, so. Yeah, I understand. it's not completely understandable, man. It's tough. You know. You know the story. Well, hey, bro. Thank you for uh, this short little interview here. Thank you for your thoughts. And um, good luck in your future endeavors. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's what Black Skills thought about commentary and his own history with fighting games and all that good stuff. But, Josh. What do you think? What is your take on commentary? Because I know Dreaded and I have many opinions, but you're on the show now. What do you think? How's that going to help the fighting game community in esports? I think it's going to be a, a huge help and a huge, huge boost to the fighting game community. In fact, I, I dare say that after the players themselves, at the moment, the most important on-screen assets are the commentators. Um, those are going to be our diplomats to the general, the general public at large, uh, that we need them to be able to not only communicate what's going on so that an audience understand, a new audience understands what's happening, but they also need to be able to communicate the culture of the fighting game community as well. And that's going to be a little easier said than done. Um, another thing is that, um, one thing I definitely agree with is that synergy is, you know, is how important synergy is to uh, commentators. When it comes to final round in the fall classic, uh, I've had to kind of put together commentary teams, and unfortunately, last few years I haven't been able to put as much attention to that as I've wanted. But we've got some really skilled individuals, and there's some where we'll they can pair up well and they riff real well. Um, Turk, uh, Poke Chop are really good, uh, big boy, but they, they kind of double up on, you know, as the different types of commentators, as, as, as was mentioned, we've got your technical, your color commentator, your hybrid, you know, sometimes you can get away with having two color commentators. Sometimes they're more interesting than the matches. That's one of the big things with uh, Turk and poke chop when they've been on the mic together. Uh, people love hearing them do commentary, but they don't, they don't really learn much about what's going on in the game. So, there's a time and a place for all that. And I think that properly managing the on-screen talent and making sure you've got good teams, that's absolutely vital. Um, we, we You need someone who's going to be able to communicate in layman's terms. If someone tunes in to watch Tekken and they hear me talk, saying, oh, there's you know, up forward, forward, down forward, three, boom, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just you know throwing all the, this lingo out. They're going to sound like, what is this crazy man talking about? What do they mean, you know, downright fierce? What, what, I don't, I don't understand what's, what's going on. You can communicate that in a way. And even then, if you want to break it down to a level of, um, I know Markman is a big fan of this. Instead of using, uh, notations for movesets, 
using the moves names um, in tech. And that's really not done that often just because it's easier to type numbers in a couple of letters for directions. And, uh, but you know, for the sake of the audience, maybe instead of calling Paul's quarter circle forward two, just call it death fist or Phoenix Smasher or whatever, whatever the accepted lingo will be. So I think that's going to be, that's going to definitely have an effect on the community because that's going to change how we communicate about the game. Um, you know, we we're we're going to still communicate the way that we do in depth, but I do think that you're going to see even a more generalized lingo when it comes to discussing the games. It's just a matter of making again. It's just almost like the the players. You got to kind of make sure you've got someone who understands what to do. You can't find someone who's really knowledgeable about the game, but they're engaging. They are easy to work with, and they understand what's what. They understand what exactly they're representing. And this is something that players haven't quite, quite gotten to yet. And I think that players in the end are going to, they're going to, it's almost like, you know, NASCAR or MMA has mentioned where you have this individual sponsorship model. But I believe with commentators, the more that we get them into that professional setting and that they, cause commentators have very much a unique perspective of being a public face. While kind of having a shoe in both, you know, the back end and front end of what's going on, they get to see the front end, all the players, the tournament experience, et cetera, the matches. But they also get to see a little bit behind the scenes, so they become, you know, again, diplomats. Again, um, probably another good word for them is that they're diplomats just to the audience in general. If you know, final round, for example, on Sunday we suddenly found ourselves having to run some of our top eights off stage, off of the main stage and on stream. And, you know, Guilty Gear, Mortal Kombat, guys, I'm so sorry again that that had to happen. When you hear the explanation, I hopefully most of you all will understand. Um, and for those of you that don't understand, we're still going to try and make it right somehow. Um, but we found out uh, Sunday at Final Round that for every minute that we were still at the venue past midnight, um, and it was to our understanding that we had to just shut down by midnight and we had to like one o'clock to get everything out. They were, they told us, Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you have to, you know, be out, out by midnight or it's $300 for every minute you're still here. So we kind of had to do what we could to make sure we were out of there on time on Sunday. But those are the growing pains we talk, we talk about. We'll, we'll get that squared away. But if, if with good commentators, that issue's over, you know, that's, it can be overlooked. You know, audiences can overlook that, oh man, this, this, got moved, this got moved up an hour or two hours and it, no one really communicated. If you've got commentators who are like, hey, this is what happened or they've already, they're already involved in the matches, that's not going to be, that's not going to bother the people that are viewing. Um, obviously it affected, you know, us both in terms of viewership and at the event, but, Luckily, the players were having such a good time that they they went with it um, very well. And a lot of people, once you hear the words three hundred dollars a minute, people kind of say, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 we we need to leave on time." <laughs> but I think really that's you know the big thing though synergy and uh, having that that understanding of professionalism where you know it's kind of like when someone's giving an interview, almost a, when a reporter's interviewing someone on the street, they kind of have to have that that gut instinct of, okay, this person's about to start just really dropping all kinds of crazy profanity on the microphone. Let me cut away real quick. It's, it's really exciting, man. Like I, you're going to hear me say that a lot, but that's, that's really the best word I can use to describe this whole situation. It's, it's exciting. 
I'm super excited. It's, it's great. You know, this is something that, you know, hell, you guys remember, you guys remember just as well as I do going into arcades, putting your quarter up or your token and waiting for your opportunity, putting it up on other machines if the lines were shorter and, you know, talking about, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we can do this and make money? Now you got Justin Wong buying furniture, you know, in places for his, you know, grandparents to live with them out in California. It's people are living the dream now. So it's, this is, it's an exciting time to be alive. What a time. What are your thoughts on commentary and making it more effective and how it's going to affect the fighting game community? See, that's, that's something that we're, we're still trying to kind of find out. Um, I, if I, if I had the answer, it'd be a lot easier, you know, as we transition. But I mean, I, I know just about as much as everybody else. It's kind of, we're in this fortunate slash unfortunate area of let's hurry up and wait and see what works. Um, I know that for me, I, I've got a few commentators that I like. I, like I mentioned, Poke Chop, Turk, in regards to Tekken. I love Filthy Rich. I wish Filthy, actually, Filthy Rich tweeted on you know, Twitter the other day about possibly coming back to commentary. That'd be great. I'd love to see him. You know, Ultra Chen is, is well known. Uh, Ski Sonic, uh, as, as we had heard during the previous interview, he gets a bad rap, but he's really not that bad. He actually does a pre- pretty good, high, he provides that good hybrid role. I think another big thing is in order to make a, a, a good commentator is it's actually something similar to what makes a good player that, that humbleness and that willingness to accept that you can get better, you know, and the commentators that get better are the ones that go back and they listen to themselves and they don't just listen to themselves. They listen to other people. They listen to other commentators and they don't just listen to commentators in the fighting game community. They listen to commentators that are successful in other areas. People make fun of John Madden, you know, oh, no, oh, this guy, this guy, if he does this, and he scores a touchdown. But I tell you what, people know who John Madden is, and they know what John Madden's talking about. I mean, they joke, they say, oh, man, John Madden makes me feel like I know football. That's a good commentator. Even if he's a little, you know, a little crazy sometimes, that's a good commentator. So having somebody who can both has that natural charisma to keep people engaged and that that lunch pail mentality of I got to get better at what I do. So let's let's go look at people who are successful. Let's go see what I can do to be better. Um, I know that when I first started trying to do a little bit of commentary, and I'm by nowhere means as good as anybody else, um, I found that I kind of fit more into a little bit of a hybrid role myself with a little focus on the technical side. Um, I find that if I've got a really strong color commentator that I feel very comfortable, especially if that color commentator is also comfortable with, is also a little bit of a hybrid commentator themselves. Um, so if anyone out there who's looking to get in the commentary, if you want to get better, just start watching videos on YouTube and start, com- start commentating, record yourself doing commentator commentary, and then send it to people, ask them what, what they liked, what they didn't like, what you could do better. Um, volume control. You would be surprised how many people don't understand that control the volume of their voice, how to speak clearly. I would say that one thing that makes a two things that make for, or three, let's we'll, we'll, we'll cap it at three, three things that make for bad commentators. Uh, number one, uninformed. Uh, I, you you want to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Otherwise it sounds, otherwise it comes, otherwise, even though it might be, you know, someone, the commentator might be just nervous and trying to, joke around and keep keep the audience engaged 
to people that are maybe a fan of that game or whatever is being commentated on, that might come off as belittling. So make sure you're informed. Um, another thing is make sure you're on time. Because guess what? You're going to be on camera. Make sure, don't, don't be there an hour late. Be there on time. Have some, have some accountability. You know, that goes along, along with, uh, improving. And if I had, you know, and I had a third and I can't think of it off the top of my head. If I think of it, I'll, I'll definitely mention it, but, um, practice, 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 practice. Uh, I want to see people who also, one thing I would like to see more from commentators, I would like to see them working more with other partners and getting more comfortable with working outside of their comfort zone. I would love to see Ultra Chen work more with other commentators in the Street Fighter community. Um, I would love to see Markman, Eris, and Rip commentate with people other than themselves. You know, I'd love to see them start commentating with other character, other people in the community. So that's a definitely a big one. And um, an- another big one I would have to say actually would be be approachable. Be approachable because if you're not if you're not approachable commenting on a game or if people can't just approach you in person, you're not going to make them feel like they're welcome to watch the game. So definitely be be approachable. And when we figure out a good a better way to communicate what's going on on the screen outside of, you know, Obviously, you can see the life bars. Um, hopefully, someone figures that out because I certainly don't have much ideas right now. Yeah. <laughs> dreaded, dreaded, man. What are your thoughts on this? He, he covered a lot of it and uh, also has a, a scary good John Madden impression. Good on you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What makes good commentary for me is like knowing when to give the technical stuff because there's like there's moments in each matches where, where momentum shifts. You know what I'm saying? And like, you don't want to just be blabbering on when that happens. So like, knowing when to hold back and then knowing when to like, kind of jump on those situations. Mm-hmm. It's like understanding the, the back and forth of a, uh, of a match. Cause a lot can happen in a short amount of time. So you don't want to get too technical at some points and you don't want to get too hype at others. You gotta, you gotta have a feel for that momentum and that's, that'll take practice and stuff like that. To play off of that, there was also um, something, I can't remember who it was. Um, I was reading up in, in a little article that uh, a news a sportscaster had written. Oh, I wish I could remember who it was. But they had mentioned that one of the hardest things to do as a commentator is knowing when to let the game commentate itself. And that was just something I was just like, oh, I never even thought about that. That seems like something so very simple. But it makes a lot of sense, you know. Sometimes you just kind of shut up and let let it happen. You hear the great radio announcers, guys that do like radio broadcast for baseball. They do that. They understand that. And yeah, you know, but then at the same time, when you have like the K. Brad Wolfcrone moment, when yet you have Tasty Steve and yeah, you tell him about himself. Tell him about himself. That just adds yeah a whole level of hype to it. That's that's, that's, that's true. I, that, I thought of that. There's that's, that. There's like a mix between, you know that the mix between like super. Technical, like like Joe Rogan trying to break down jujitsu yeah. in the middle of a Damian Maya match on UFC, mm-hmm. like a mix between that and then a, a mix between that and like Jim Ross on WWF, like yelling, like oh my god, Almighty. it's Stone Cold music. You're like, okay, there's there's a there's a there's a medium in between there that that you gotta you gotta kind of balance. Mm-hmm. Like you can't sometimes sometimes you'll hear someone just like yelling, you know, and that can be fun. 
but that can also be confusing to a lot of people. They're like, what just happened? There was just a lot of yelling on the screen. So there's, there's a balance there. There's a balance. But, you know, you're right. You know, humor goes a long way. It's not a stand-up routine, but got to be a little funny sometimes. Keep the viewers kind of engaged. So, like, there's just a whole thing about, like, for me, like, a good good pacing, good mix of just hype and then technical, uh, good, like, color and technical breakdowns and then and then timing and all, all, all that stuff together. It, it, can, it can really unlock it. Because, like you said, they're like a diplomat. They're like an ambassador of the game to everybody else. And if anybody's listening, you know, and they're running a tournament and angry and dreaded, got some, we got some synergy. We've got some practice at this. Just throwing us out there. It's possible. <laughs> Get with the soft got, wax. Maybe we can make I've got that a question happen. here for both of you. See what, uh, see what you guys think on this. You know, so we're talking about what, what do commentators need? What, what do we look for in commentary? So do you guys believe that some of this stuff is, now, do, you, do you believe this is more a little bit more nature versus nurture in this? Do you believe that just some folks have it, some don't, or do you believe that you know, this, these are skill sets? You know, the, um, you were just talking about the being able to gauge how hype a moment is and when to you know continue hyping that up versus when to be more technical. You know, do you do y'all feel that there's that's more of a, a natural thing, or that's something that you can learn to do? What do y'all think about that? I think that it goes both directions, nature and nurture. For one, if you're going to have somebody commentate a game, there's only so much you can do by going online and reading. Sure, you can wiki or read, watching videos, YouTube videos, whatever. You have to have an understanding of the game. You can have somebody watch a bunch of YouTube videos. You can have somebody go and read a bunch of wikis and then try to commentate. But you're not going to understand the nuances in the meta of the game unless they know how to play. So to a certain degree, your commentators can have to have an understanding of how to play the game. That doesn't mean they have to be Daigo. That doesn't mean that they have to have several championships under their belt. But they have to understand how the game is played and they have to be able to pick up a controller and do something with it. Like, why is doing... In Street Fighter 4, I know I'm reaching back on this one, why is DJ's combo his machine gun upper to ultra is so impressive. You got to understand mm. all of the things that go into doing that. And somebody who could just watch DJ do it isn't really going to be as impressed as somebody that knows what's going on. So in that respect, mm-hmm. I do believe that not everybody can do commentary. Not everybody has a sense of humor, so they can't do color commentary. Or good sense of humor, I should say. Not everybody knows when those hype moments, some people have slower reaction times and stuff like this. And fighting games are very, very fast-paced. Uh, a lot of uh, online esports gaming are. And even though everything's just on one screen, you're explaining a lot of stuff. And like you were saying before, Josh, you have to know when to let the game commentate itself. You don't have to call every jump. You don't have to call every fireball. You just have to let... You have to know how to let it ride. So being able to pick up on stuff like that really quickly... That might be a natural skill, but I think that you can actually teach good commentary to people. It's just that some people go really overboard. It's ridiculous. Dreading. Yeah, man, my take on it is, yeah, you're going to have naturals, but you can't, you can't just throw like just a comedian who plays Street Fighter out there. Like you have to listen to yourself talk. You have to understand how other people see you and not just how you think that you sound. 
just public speaking is, is definitely always a learning skill, even with a natural speaker, because there's beats that you have to memorize. There's 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 words that you have to practice and, and definitely listening to yourself, record yourself and listen to yourself back. It's kind of like being a good musician, hearing yourself play. It takes it to another level, uh, doing it, practicing it live. So, yeah, there are going to be people who are just natural speakers and there's probably going to be people who would never make a good commentator, you know, because their voices just just don't have that personality to to speak into a microphone and relate to a bunch of people but it's it, a lot of it's you know takes practice and and you could tell like like ultra chen had it you know you bring up you got ultra david and, and david chen so when they're they're a team they've practiced that synergy they know the beats that each other have like you got like that the team chemistry between two people takes time to develop so that takes a lot of practice there's really good commentators out there, but I, you could probably like name them all on like one hand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Gutex, Mike Ross, Z, Ski Sonic, Ultra Chen. Those are your Street Fighter guys. And then, you know, you know, Eris and, and all those dudes that you mentioned on the other side. And it's like, well, okay. Well, like who else is there? You know, mm-hmm. I, I'd like, I need to see more. I need to see more. We've got more tournaments. We got more games. We've got more knowledge. We need more variety. So, listen, if you're if you're big into the scene and you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to myself, all this sounds great. Why not me? Well, then I have to ask, why not you? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's let's make this happen. Uh, there's tournament organizers everywhere who would love to have a good commentator. Oh, so, ain't that uh, make, the truth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't just keep reaching into the same six wells, you know, <laughs> like Eris. Eris and Gutex can't be everywhere at the same time. No. I mean, I'm I mean, pretty sure at this point, like, Ultra Chen is making lots of money now. <laughs> it's good that we have yeah, superstars, but they do have lives. Yeah. That's a, that's a big commitment. You know, when you're commentating at a tournament, if you've got top eight, okay, you've got a three-hour window on Sunday. But if you're working pools, you know, what if you're the only one there? I think uh, last year it might have been Tasty Steve and Markman were basically the only commentators for the Tekken stream for a while. I mean, that was... You know, Nick, a little bit of Namco's doing there on that end, but whew, they brought honey and all kinds of stuff with them because they need to make sure those those pipes work by the end of the weekend. And they, that's a lot of talking that they got to do. And so having having competent commentators will allow these folks to enjoy their trip as well. That's something that I, I definitely try and stress whenever we have volunteers or any type of behind the scenes type work. You're you're working to make sure that other people can enjoy it. But we also, you know, it's the tournament's responsibility to make sure that staff also is able to enjoy. Yeah, very true. Given that, and we're going to have to have the superstar commentators, but we're also going to have to have, like, our regional people as well. Yeah, that would definitely help. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially, you know, you have community, you already have community guys for specific games. So now it's just a matter of let's get some regional guys as well. And I think we're kind of starting to see a little bit of that, um, you know, with, you know, like Poke Chop and you know, mentioned Turk, you see them primarily in Southeast events because they don't they don't go very far away from Atlanta. But um, I I definitely see more. There's a lot more people getting interested in it, which is great because we definitely need more commentators. You know, the the more the more we have, the better. For sure. All right. Well, feel like you covered a lot of bases here. Is there anything you'd like to add, Josh? No, just I mean. You know, for the people that are worried that maybe they uh they might not be good commentators, you know, if, 
like we were talking about when it comes to, it's almost a little bit of nature, nature nurture thing. Just kind of think of it as, you know, if, if you're a natural, you've got a high floor, but if you don't put in any work, you're going to have a very low ceiling. So some people, they, their floor might be so low to start with, it might not be worth trying to, to get to that ceiling. But, you know, everyone, it's all, it's about everything, like everything we do in life, it's about what the work you're going to put into it. So, you know, with everything starting to kind of grow, I think it's important to remember that there are some people with us and, you know, we've been around long enough to unfortunately have, have lost some people along the way who won't, will never have gotten to see what we're doing now, you know. Rest in peace, Wing Zero, Infinite, and a few other players. Let's take let's take advantage of the opportunity we we're given, rather than just kind of pissing it away. Wise words, man. I don't know what you are about to bring up, but you know I'm gonna have to ask him his thoughts before we go. Oh, on Tekken Seven. Tekken Seven. Mm. Mm, I didn't even think mm. about that. Please tell us yeah. about Tekken Seven. It's mm. on the horizon, baby. It's coming. Mm, I can't wait. I'm, I'm super excited. I, uh, I got to play a little bit that final round. Still a work in progress, but it's coming soon. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you guys. I haven't been this excited for a Tekken game since Tekken 5, Tekken 4. Um, you know, I used to play all the characters in 4 and 5, and in DR, I kind of started specializing more to try and just get better at the game. I didn't really care for 6 and Tag 2, even though it was funny. I've, I've been busy with life, so I haven't. I haven't really been competitive in a game, but I mean, seven's got me even thinking about trying to be as competitive as I can, you know, with, you know, despite being the family man, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a beautiful game. It's so pretty. And there's, there's so, there's the slowdown, like the scrambles at the end when that's, when there's a slowdown when two players are about to hit each other. Oh, it's so hype. I can't wait. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm also excited. I've got that sucker on pre-order. I'm excited because they ha- they have announced both of my mains, but it doesn't mean I'm going to stick with them. It just means that mm. I'll be able to get on a little easier. It does look amazing. I was skeptical at first. I think I'm on this. Po- I mean, don't get I mean, don't get me wrong. I might be on wax saying that I, I didn't like the whole rage art idea, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm willing to give that a chance because it, it Tekken has remained unchanged outside of like the tag format for the tag tag games, but. You know, it's kind of just been steadily evolving and it hasn't really taken that. It's been more evolving than, than taking like these big leaps, kind of like Street Fighter does. So I'm willing to give the Rage Art kind of thing a chance and, and give some, maybe some of these new characters a chance, like female Miguel and female Raven. I, I mean, you know. <laughs> I'll give him a chance. I'll give him a chance. Uh, you know, we got that one guy who's like a mix between Siegfried and Roy and Mike Tyson, like with the Mike Tyson <laughs> face tattoo. I don't know what they're all about. Pre-Rashid, like, like <laughs> he came before Rashid, mm-hmm. but he comes after Rashid. So uh, I don't know who comes first. You know, I guess that well, we're talking about the Shaheen guy. That I'm playing Shaheen. He's I'm, I'm can't wait. He's a lot of fun. Like yeah, yeah. Game, I mean, no, I've seen his so playstyle. Right. His playstyle looks really, really different, interesting, and cool. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad we are both hyped. I got it on pre-order. You'll hear me talk about it on this podcast at a later date. I didn't know you pre-ordered uh, so, it. So yeah, yeah, I just did the other day at GameStop. Oh wow! After okay. I bought like a ten-dollar version of one of the old Guilty Gears to see what that's all about. Oh, I mean, I can't I, be uh, ignorant. I, I just, I just actually pre-ordered the uh, the collector's edition through Best Buy because they're one of the few places that still had a few of the collector's editions. So I had to get myself Excellent. that statue. The statue was too was too good. I couldn't let that Excellent. go. Way to one up me, sir. Well played. <laughs> I like that. 
We'll see if I actually get it, though. We'll see, because I, I, I pre-ordered it just after Harada was like, yeah, so I just talked to the team, and we don't have that many collector's editions yet. So I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, pre-order, pre-order. <laughs> no, man. I think, um, Angry, didn't you pre-order, like, the special edition King of Fighters? So you got, like, the, the special edition stuff? Oh, jealous. I got all that. Yeah. yeah, I did. Atlas is good about that, though. You go to the GameStop with an Atlas game, and GameStops will be like, you wanted this... Special edition pre-order stuff because we got a bunch of extra stuff. <laughs> they have like a bunch of extra stuff. <laughs> unless, unless it's a more obscure game. Mm-hmm. What do you think about these uh, these character reveals for King of Fighters? Oh man, I have been every you know, single been... podcast. Oh, go ahead. Every single week, every week, I come Cook on the show. Cook it. I come on the show and I'm like, man, I hope they put Yamazaki in. Yamazaki's in. All right, and like, oh, who do you want in next? Angry? Oh, you know I want that blue Mary or any of the new face. Oh, we're gonna give you Vanessa. Oh, I mean, I guess that's cool. I'm cosplaying as Seth, but you know, whatever. And then next up, who's coming up? Rock Howard. Mm. Yup. I did not want Rock Howard. We've heard this on the last podcast. I already went through how I feel about Rock Howard, so I'm gonna be real with you right now. I'm not excited about Rock Howard. You can't even press his deadly raid. What's the point? Yeah. You know, it's funny. My wife and I, we actually, it's, it's funny you say Blue Mary, because that's who my wife and I thought it was going to be from the silhouette at first when we looked at the the boots and the jeans. Like, that might be Blue Mary, because I was super excited about the Vanessa reveal. And I got a lot of friends who were really excited about the Yamazaki. And then when they released Rock Howard, I was kind of like, eh. Oh, but you totally. Do know some people who were who were really excited for that, so I was happy for them more than I was happy about seeing Rock Howard. So I, yeah. I tried to twist on it for him. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people just are like, "Yeah, Garu Mark of the Wolves was great. Yeah, Rock Howard, but man, this is this is King of Fighters, and like we we already have geese. Yeah, tell me, man. The the people that are excited about Rock Howard are the people who played Capcom vs SNK two. No, you're right. Yep. Nobody really yep. played Garo. Right. Nobody. Let, let's be completely honest. Nobody in the United States really played Garo. It dropped on the Dreamcast. Garo was the 2D version of Virtua Fighter in regards to how communities all respect it, but nobody played it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good. Good analogy, man. Very good. Very good. Everybody who likes Rock Howard are the people who played as him in Capcom vs. SNK2. One of the best-looking sprites. He had really cool moves. People really liked him. Me, coming from a background of playing Garo, having played Capcom vs. SNK2, which I did not enjoy that game. I did not like how the KOF players and SNK characters played in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was not interested in Rock Howard. I think he's a boring character. I've said it once. I'll say it again. He's a boring character. He's almost lifeless to me. He's just a very basic protagonist character. And seeing the way he plays, I'm not interested. Yeah. Who would you have had instead? That man Gato? From Garo? Yeah. It's to the point, my loathing of Rock Howard is to the point where I would have taken Tizok. Like, if they had just put Tizok in the game. (laughs) You know, well, I mean. And King of Dinosaurs. I mean. At the same time. He is. At the same time, just confuses. They have a different moveset. I know he'll never be in another game, but I would love to see Kevin. Just because Kevin was such a beast in Garo. I actually, just, 
he's, he's so generic though. What, like, what can he possibly be? And like, he could be a, a random character, like a, a special guest character in Contra, maybe. But like, what else is he gonna fit in? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Garo wise, I would have rather had seen maybe Don Juan. Maybe that'd have been good. Maybe Grant would have been interesting. Um, Grant would have been interesting. That would have worked. Other characters, though, I mean, I'm still looking at Blue Mary. Guy Tendo. I like to see Guy Tendo from Blue Guy Blue Tendo. Watch oh, Baki. Watch Baki. Um, <laughs> Takuma would have been great. Takuma would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Or better yet, Mr. Karate. Oh, Mr. Karate. Yes. That's a DLC character right yes. there. Yes. Get that mask. I would have loved to have seen uh, a Rage of Dragons character, man. Ooh. One Like one of those. Like one of those. See, that would have been hype. I think that'd have been like maybe you just get like Billy or something. That'd have been hype. <laughs> I don't know if Very Mr. Cool. K can legally produce that IP anymore. Oh, I'd be so sad if they couldn't. I don't know, but that is a throwback right there, sir. That is a serious throwback. Hey, that would have got my five ninety nine. Hey, I, you know I, I dropped it just on principle. You know what? You know what? They dropped in Samurai Showdown character. Why not Les Slade? There no. you go. Ooh, yeah. I, I, I miss Last Blade. I, I played a lot of Last Blade, too. That was a, a, a very fun time for me. <laughs> I mean, if you really want all these Capcom vs. SNK2 fans, put in Hibiki. Easy. Oh, yeah. Hibiki, yeah. Would be, that'd be an easy mode. Yes. That'd get some folks right there. They need to bring my boy Shigen back. Put oh. Shigen in the game. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Just pile-driving people with a big stone arm for no reason. oh man but yeah there's a lot of different characters and I hope that this isn't the the breadth of their uh, characters that they're going to release I hope there's a season 2 and I hope that they release a new like a brand new character not just old characters kind of like what Street Fighter 5 is doing yeah yeah Yeah, hey yeah you know I'm I'm all I'm all I'm all about commending the Street Fighter team for, like, we're just we're just having a whole season of brand new characters, no retreads. In have you looked at who who some of those characters might be? Though, have you looked at some of the, the potential leaks? I'm not real um, sure if, uh, if I'm excited about them. I have I pay, I put little stock, very little stock into the potential leaks. I mean the hell the the Colleen one, like, oh, I think that's Helen from Story Mode. Yeah, duh. Like that was a no duh. That was a layup. But everyone else, man, you, you never know. You never know. So I, I don't take any stock in those. I just want to see some awesome new play styles, some new play designs. I've been spending a little bit more time in the lab with Colleen, and uh, I think she could be something. I think she could be really fun. I really counters. like Colleen. I really yeah. like her design. I like. I, I, I was. I'm hoping that she kind of sets Yuck. yeah sets the standard for the for the rest of the characters. If, if Byron is really going to be released, I'm hoping that. He's cool. I hope he doesn't come out super generic and lame, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing, oh, excuse me, that Byron is very, very much likely apparently going to be the next character, but we, we don't know. It was just a leak, but I do like Colleen a lot. I like her design. I like her play style. I, I, I just, she's interesting, man. She's super interesting. Yep. Well, hey, man, is there anything else on the horizon, FGC-wise, that you might be you're, you're excited about other than Tekken 7? Oh, well, we got the Tekken 7 uh, release, uh, new Guilty, Guilty Gear uh, X-Red Revelator 2. Um, it's coming out in May, and Justice 2 dropping in May. 
Oh yeah, it's uh, due at the end of May, if I recall correctly. Calm um, yourself down, Arxis. Arxis is like Call of Duty. Nobody wants to talk about Arxis. Yeah. Arxis does the same thing Capcom does, but they get away with it. Capcom releases like 93 <laughs> versions of a, of a game. People were like, oh, come on, Street Fighter, make something new. Arxis is where it's like, we're going to have Guilty Gear 2X Accent Core Platinum Gold Edition. This time, there's a story mode. And people were like, yeah, so you guys should be more like Arxis. You guys should be more like Arxis. <laughs> yeah. They, they, so I, I just bought, yeah, because I just bought sign. Like I'm at the I'm at the GameStop. I'm looking at the Guilty Gears, and the only way, reason I can tell which one's newer is by which one is more expensive. <laughs> and I'm like, so I'm like, there's sign, there's Revelator, there's all these different ones. I'm like, wait, oh well, well sign was like five ninety nine, and Revelator's like twenty bucks. So I'm, I'm guessing that the Revelator's the more advanced one. I, I it's hard to keep track. It's funny. There was a there was back in, back when we had Guilty Gear XX, and then after that there was a Guilty Gear XX Sharp Reload, and I was uh, talking <laughs> to a buddy. About, I was talking to a buddy about that, and um, I pulled up and I showed it was shown to me. He's like, there was a there was a Guilty Gear hashtag Reload. That's lit. I'm like, no, no, that was Sharp Reload, but I, I, it does look like hashtag Reload. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the, the musical symbol. Yeah, man, those those dudes are crazy. Those dudes are crazy. They don't know how to name a video game. No, they just. <laughs> yeah, you have Injustice too, but we don't like to talk about Nether Realms too much. Oh, yeah, I think we we, we haven't really mentioned Nether Realm Studios on this season yet, but yeah, that's coming out. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, with you guys on that. I'm I'm I'm, he- I'm excited, but I'm hesitant. I'm excited. I remember the last Injustice, so we'll see. Me too. Me too. Have we gotten a single? It was like yes. Have we gotten a single person What's on this show? Who actually respects Mortal Kombat and Injustice? Well, I, res- I would say I respect it. I don't know, but I wouldn't say that. I'm okay. I should say we I, went. I changed that. We, I respect Mortal Kombat for what they did for the fighting game community. I respect their player base because they get a lot of people to play and they get good at the game. I've watched more soldiers in the USO play Mortal Kombat and become legit at it from just playing it than people who will pick up Street Fighter or even Tekken because those games aren't as intuitive as Mortal Kombat can be for a beginning player. That being said, the game itself, don't need that. I don't, I don't enjoy the game. Not my Yeah. Game. I think we had a rant with the All-Star Challenger in Season 1 about what Mortal Kombat was and what it meant to our local FGC. So it was like we were kind of throwing respect and shade at the same time. So, yeah. I, I just remember, man, I remember uh, Injustice 1. And I was like, oh man, look at, they got all these characters, man. They've got Cyborg and like Nightwing and all these interesting and cool. No, they just pick Superman and beat you or they pick Aquaman and win. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm putting this game down. <laughs> you know, that's actually exactly what happened to me. I picked Harley Quinn and was like, oh, figured it out pretty quick. and was like, I'm wasting my time. <laughs> yeah. Yup. I tried with Raven. I really tried too much. You fought that good fight. <laughs> no, she's not winning. Too much meter. Too much meter for middling damage. So nice teleport, though. Yeah, yeah. Azareth, all that stuff. Azareth, Metreon, Simpsons. But yeah, so Injustice 2 is coming out. You got the next Guilty Gear. You got the next Tekken. So we have a lot to look forward to no matter who you are. You know, Nintendo's coming out with the Switch. So you know 
like the the death doomsday clock for the next brawls ticking down. <laughs> you know that's what y'all were thinking. It's gonna happen some way. I don't know. Whatever. But uh good. Lots of lots to be excited about. Well shoot. I'm glad you two are excited. I'm excited as well. And I'm also excited to say support the USO. I'm a local USO volunteer here in Kandahar, and you should also do what you can by going to the USO.org and supporting them because they do a lot of great things for people deployed overseas, for people on base and stateside, and at your airports and all kinds of things. So support the USO. Got to say it all the time, every time, just like Watch Baki. Yeah, just like Watch Baki. And if you're in the North Houston area, go go get some sandwiches at Grind Break. Uh, you, of course, of course, of <laughs> course. Yeah, I gotta rep, gotta rep, uh, Gamer D, man. We had him on the last podcast. You know, we I gotta did. drop that. We did, we did, and I respect yeah. that. I do respect that. Support Grind Break. Support the USO. Support Josh. Josh, thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, guys, thank you for having me. I had a blast again. So I yeah. guess we're gonna thank cut. you for all your insight. Yeah. Hold on. Do you want to do something different today, Dreddy? What are we going to do? We... You going to take us home? No, Josh is our first repeat guest. Josh, could you close out our show with Until the Next Challenge? Oh, I would love to. <laughs> please, please, sir. <laughs> do the honors. Here we go. Until the Next Challenge. Yes. There it is. Yes, there it is. You know we keep it cooler, clean cold and cooler. Don't be mad at me, mad at me, boxer, boxer. Oh, we diving through ya like a squad of scoopers. Don't be mad at me, mad at me, boxer, boxer. Falling like a hoopin', you hoopin' like a hula.